We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hi, hello, welcome to another edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This is Josh Bow, one of the many editors of MavsMoneyball.com, coming to you with a victorious edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. This time a 127-117 win against the New Orleans Pelicans. As you can tell by me starting off this podcast, I will not be joined by my partner in crime, Kirk Henderson. He deemed his Spotify Live audience uh, more worthy than sitting down to talk with me. Um, of course I kid, we talked before, while this game was going on and he asked if he could just kind of have this one off so he could just get to the live room faster so he could go to bed. And considering that this was kind of a weird game in terms of there wasn't a lot of juice with so many, uh, uh, Pelicans players sitting out this game, uh, it, it kind of had the vibe of like a preseason game. You know, there wasn't, didn't seem like there was ever a sense that the Mavericks were going to lose this game, uh, even though they weren't ever able to really truly put it away. Uh, but they basically had a double-digit lead for almost the entire game uh, from the from midway through the first quarter till the end of the game. They basically had a double-digit lead the entire time. Pelicans only got it to single digits with uh, minutes, you know, almost seconds left. So the game was already pretty much over. So... Good win for the Mavericks, although just kind of a curious game again, like I said. The Mavericks started this game with a 34 to 15 first quarter and I honestly was not sure if the Pelicans were going to score 80 points. Um little did I know, of course they scored well past that, but it was truly an anemic first quarter for the Pelicans. The Mavericks defense was engaged, but New Orleans was missing Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum. Uh, and Larry Nance Jr. I mean, and those first three guys, Zion, Ingram, CJ, those are the Pelicans' three best players. And not only are their three best players, they're three best offensive players. Uh, the Pelicans' starting lineup was Herb Jones, Najee Marshall, Jonas Valanciunas, Jose Alvarado, and Trey Murphy the third. And no discredit to any of those guys, but like they were truly missing 
a lot of offensive juice and I was watching them during the game. They're missing so many bad shots and missing a bunch of threes that I was wondering how they were going to score. And of course they somehow did find a way to score. Um, They actually outscored the Mavericks 102 to 93 after the first quarter. So really um, if it wasn't for the Mavericks outstanding effort to start the game, they would have suffered a really embarrassing loss because there's no way else to put it. A Pelicans team missing Zion, missing Ingram, missing CJ, like losing this game would have been an horrible, horrible, no good loss. So good on the Mavericks for taking care of business. Kind of following the trend uh, of Mavericks wins lately without Dorian Finney-Smith, without Josh Green, without Maxi Kleba, the Mavericks won this game on offense. Uh, Dallas shot 57% from the floor, 45% from three. They were 13 of 29 from three. The New Orleans Pelicans were 5 of 29 from three, 17%. Um, that's the game. I mean, that's the game. Uh, New Orleans was so great in the paint. If they would have, if they would have made 25% of their threes, they would have won this game. Uh, and that's still not like a great number. So, uh, again, Mavericks just kind of winning by outscoring teams. Uh, the Pelicans scored 31 points in the second quarter, 35 points in the third, 36 points in the fourth. So the Dallas defense really let off the gas after the first quarter, which was kind of disappointing because they really did start the game off, uh, pretty well. Um, Luka Doncic kind of started the game off slowly in terms of scoring, but he had a pretty good passing night. Uh, He ended up finishing with another 30-point triple-double, 34 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. And I think what the Mavericks did really well in the first quarter and and really to really jump on this Pelicans team was they played at their pace. The only way the Pelicans were going to win this game, missing all their their best players, was if they turned this into an up-and-down track meet uh, that the Mavericks don't want to play in. You know, despite missing all those players, New Orleans still had a lot of really good defenders on the floor, still had a lot of athletes. You know, Jones, Marshall, even Alvarado had his size. Murphy, you know, off the bench is Jackson Hayes. Like, they and Dyson Daniels, their first-round pick off the bench. Like, they have a lot of talented athletes. So despite the fact that they might not have had a, a true offensive fulcrum, although Jonas Valanciunas was basically that, he was great, 25 points on 13 shots. Um, they could have mucked this game up uh, and ran. And they kind of did, and they almost got away with it. They had 14 steals. 14 steals. Herb Jones had five. Uh, and Jose Alvarado only had one. And he's like he's like their steal guy. So the Mavericks almost got bit, but luckily I think they started off the first quarter uh, playing into their strengths. They walked the ball up the floor. They didn't get into a track meet. They really took advantage of seismic mismatches. Uh, I feel like Luca, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Christian Wood all took turns posting up smaller defenders in the first half, and the Mavericks got really great looks. Wood had 28 points on 14 shots. He was 4 of 7 from 3. He was really good in the paint. Um, the Luca-Wood connection, the pick and roll, was fantastic from, from opening tip uh, to when Wood uh, hit the bench for the final time in the fourth quarter. Dinwiddie was only three of six from the floor, but he was six of eight at the free throw line. He took advantage of some post-ups and able to pump fake and kind of wiggle his way to the rim and get to the free throw line. And then Luca was Luca. He only took six threes, which was pretty nice. He had 15 free throw attempts. Again, they lived, the Mavericks lived at the line. They were 30 of 38 tonight, which is not something they do uh, unless it's Luca. You know, Wood had seven attempts, Dinwiddie had eight attempts. It really felt like they were like, okay, these three guys, let's just get the ball up the floor at our tempo. Let's run a pick and roll. Let's get a switch and then let's isolate and, and attack. And that's kind of what the Mavericks did. Uh, outside of that and outside of some simple pick and roll, there wasn't too much fancy 
offensive possessions by the Mavericks because they really didn't need it. Um, and credit to the Mavericks for playing so well offensively because, like I said, despite the fact that the Pelicans were missing so many players, they still had plenty of capable defenders on the floor. So this was a really good, crisp offensive night for the Mavericks coming off that disappointing game against the Celtics. Um, again, defensively, the Mavericks were just a train wreck after the first quarter. Uh, they could not stop Valanciunas in the paint. Um, and that's kind of understandable. Uh, they tried to start big with Powell and Wood, and that still didn't really help matters too much. Um, I guess the parts that were disappointing was you let a guy like Herb Jones, who just really cannot shoot from three, manages to, to score at the rim. Najee Marshall, again, not a big, prolific three-point shooter, and you kind of know what his game is, trying to get to the rim. Um, and he still got to the, and he still got to the rim. Um, he's been a really nice player for them over the last month. Um, dealing with all these injuries. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, the Mavericks play tomorrow night against the Oklahoma City Thunder. It is almost 100, like 99.9% sure that Luka will not be playing in that game because in the fourth quarter, the Mavericks played Luka deep, like two minutes left into the fourth quarter before he sat. And then when he left, he was playing with a lineup. It was Luka, JaVale McGee, Jaden Hardy, McKinley Wright and Frank Nilakina and all the major players were out for the Mavericks were on the bench besides Luca. So I think it it was it Luca is not playing that deep into the fourth quarter with the team leading by 14 to 16 points unless they've decided he's not playing tomorrow. Like there's no way he's gonna play tomorrow. Um you don't let Luca play 39 minutes in a game like this if he's playing tomorrow night. If he does play tomorrow night, that's almost franchise malpractice. So I mean, he's been giving some post-game quotes that makes indicate that he's probably not going to play. And again, like the coaching staff does not let him stay on the floor that long in the fourth unless they've already determined that he's not going to play tomorrow night. And they made sure, thankfully, to get everyone else's minutes down. Wood did not play 30 minutes. Hardaway only. Hardaway and Dinwiddie were just over 30. Powell was 15. Uh, Bullock was 26. And then everyone else was 15 or less. So they did a pretty good job at managing minutes. The big story of this game, really, like that's notable because, again, like I said, this felt like a preseason game. Like with the Pelicans missing so many players, the Mavericks, if the Mavericks didn't win this game by double digits, it would have been really embarrassing uh, at that point. I mean, the fact that they only won by 10 is a little, you kind of tug your collar a little bit because of the lineup the Pelicans are throwing out there. Although, credit to the Pelicans, they they play really hard. Willie Green's a great coach. Um, I really like their roster. Um, so the other big story was Jaden Hardy getting really his first big rotation minutes ever. Um, you know, he has basically been mop up duty besides that game, uh, that blowout loss against Chicago where Luca didn't play and it was a scheduled loss. He's basically only played small blowout garbage time minutes. Um, he played 21 minutes tonight, second most outside of that Chicago game. He scored 15 points again on seven of nine shooting one of two from three. And again, he played most of those minutes when this game was real, you know, he played in the first half, he played in the third quarter. He had some spectacular moments again, seven of nine from the floor. So he was really uh, efficient again. And his finishing at the rim was tremendous. Again, only took two three pointers. And again, his three point shot is kind of like what he was known for coming out of high school and going into the G league. And his finishing at the rim was something that looked like a mate needed a major improvement. And Hardy was just blowing by like really good defenders like Herb Jones and, and contorting himself and twisting himself and finishing at the rim uh, confidently. And that was awesome to see. And we're now two straight games where Hardy has 
put up some substantial numbers. And I know that the Boston numbers came in garbage time, but the Celtics were playing their guys for most of that fourth quarter. Uh, I think they were trying to prove a point after the Celtics had a really embarrassing loss to the Thunder on Tuesday. So they kind of wanted to keep their guys on the floor and guarantee a big win. Uh, and Hardy was on the floor with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Al, and, you know, those guys, and he was putting up points. So the Mavericks waived Kemba Walker before this game, and they cited, you know, obviously the big reason is because they did not want his contract guaranteed, which would have been tomorrow. Um, or maybe today, I can't remember what, exactly what it was. But his contract was about to be guaranteed. They didn't want it to be guaranteed. And another part was they liked what they saw from – Hardy in these last two in the in in that Celtics game and I think they wanted to give him more burn and I don't know how much minutes he's going to get when Dorian comes back when Josh Green comes back which might come on this upcoming five game road trip but he's making a case to play um you know it's kind of a shame that he's more of a pure scorer not a pure point because I think that's why McKinley Wright is still the first is still coming off the bench before him um but at a certain point regardless of their their styles of play like right might be more of a true point guard but at a certain point you can't ignore hardy's pure production like right just doesn't really right plays well for for what they're expecting of him but i mean he's scored um eight points in his last four games um i mean again they're not asking him to score they're just asking him to play competent backup guard minutes and maybe play some defense but when hardy's on the floor and he's putting up so many points per minute you can't really keep Hardy off the, you know, you, you can't keep playing Hardy over, or you can't keep playing right over Hardy regardless. So Hardy's making his case to be maybe the first guard off the bench um, until the rotation gets healthier. And it'll be fun to see if this continues. And, you know, they're going to play Oklahoma City tomorrow night back to back, you know, with Luca likely resting, that opens up more opportunities for Hardy to get some time. So if he can show something, uh, here in this second half of the season, that's going to be huge. Um, the Mavericks, I mean, this fan base has been desperate for this team to lean into the youth that they have. Uh, they haven't had a lot of youth over the last 10 years, but they've got some right now with Hardy and with Green, who is playing really well before his injury. If those two guys, you know, if Green can get back on this road trip, and if they, if Hardy and Green are both part of this rotation, even if Hardy isn't playing 21 minutes every night, but if he can play meaningful basketball uh, occasionally going forward, that's huge. And that'll be a big development for this team, not just for this season, but going forward. Um, they really uh, could use both Hardy and Green to pay off as, as draft picks. That really changes a lot of the Mavericks trajectory going forward. But it's just just been two games, so we need to slow down. Um, no sense in getting ahead of ourselves. But it was just it was fun to see. In a game that felt so predestined uh, in terms of the outcome like right from before even the game tipped off. And then after the first quarter, it's 34 to 15. And you're kind of watching the game. You're like, ah, I could probably tune out. Like Hardy gave you a reason to keep the the channel tuned to the Mavericks. And that was a lot of fun. Obviously I'm going to be watching anyway, because it's my job. But for the fan base, that was, that was a treat to see Hardy do what he did. And hopefully he can do a little bit more tomorrow against Oklahoma city. So let's get out of here. I don't need to talk that much longer. Again, not much to take away tactically other than, Props to the Mavericks for coming out strong in the first quarter, establishing their tempo and pace, using the switch isolation game to their advantage, posting up Luka and Wood, uh, and taking advantage of the Pelicans' kind of smaller lineup. The Pelicans didn't play. You know, Jonas was basically – Jonas and Hayes were the only bigs that played. They didn't play a lot of two big lineups. 
So good on the Mavericks. A um, little worried about how the second through fourth quarters ended, and Oklahoma City is playing well. And if the Mavericks play like this, um, if they play like they played second through fourth quarters tonight, tomorrow night, Thunder will catch them. They'll beat them. Uh, Thunder are playing well, and they've got SGA, which is he's a significantly better player than anything the Pelicans put on the floor tonight. That's uh, you know. It's by quite a margin. So Mavericks need to be ready if they want to avoid a loss tomorrow. They'll need to be, you know, they need to find a way to be better defensively uh, and get some stops because the, Pel- the Thunder will absolutely punish them more than the Pelicans did tonight. So that's all I got. Again, Josh Bo from MavsMoneyBell.com. This is Mavs Moneyball After Dark. If you're listening to this, the live show will likely be on in your podcast feed sometime Sunday. You can listen for that. Um, if you haven't already joined Kirk's live show. So again, Mavericks beat the Pelicans, solid home win, 127 to 117. The team is now 23 and 17, and they are they are uh, creeping into the top three of the Western Conference, as, as crazy as that sounds. So presumably I'll be back with Kirk Sunday night as we talk after the after the Oklahoma City Thunder game. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys then. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.